Hello, this is Reconstruction Calls. I'm your host, Spiritual Director Aaron Maines. If you've been listening now for a few weeks, could I ask you for a favor? Would you go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for Reconstruction Calls? Or hit subscribe, and better yet, tell a friend about this podcast. This week, I'm talking to my friends Eric and Amy Bird. Eric plays pedal steel as a hobby. Amy plays some stuff too and sings a little bit. You'll hear more about that. We thought it would be fun to talk music through the lens of reconstruction. Please hold while I get them on the line. Eric and Amy, thanks for doing this today. It's it's always good to talk to you guys. So so fun to talk to you guys about music and, and a lot of other stuff that we have coming up. So just as a quick way for us to learn about you, will you share with us some of your typologies? So maybe that's Enneagram or love languages or uh, your your sign or whatever it might be. Um, how about Amy? How about you go first? All right. So Enneagram comes to mind first. And I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Pretty okay. classic nine. Uh, grew up very quiet and withdrawn. But also, I would say, inclined towards the spiritual. Um, I okay. wanted to be an astronaut growing up. As a seventh grade girl, my room was done and it was my rock collection. Mm-hmm. And all these pictures of NASA, you know, space shuttles and everything. So <laughs> it was pretty epic. Did you have a um, preference between like the white spacesuit versus the orange spacesuit? Or was there a preference? Oh yeah, totally the white. It's so it's just so pure and, okay. and speaks to me. I actually have a picture of myself um, with my face digitally like imputed <laughs> into a white spacesuit. Maybe that's why I have that preference. Yeah. What what else you got? Um, let's see, strengths finders going back to good old like two thousand yeah. uh in grad school in college. Um, I only remember three out of five because information recall is not one of my top five strengths obviously um so positivity achiever oh and inclusivity okay um i think i was kind of left out a lot as a kid so like as i was growing up i kind of made it a big deal to like include everybody so no one had to feel the way i felt i think subconsciously cool yeah that's cool anything Um, else come to mind Yes. So even though I wanted to be an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs, I'm definitely an INFP. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so intuitive, intu- what's the N? Intuition? Yes. So and introverted, intuition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Introverted intuition, feeler, perceiver, mm-hmm. right? Perceiver. Don't, don't okay. make me make any judgments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only judgment I make is not making any judgments <laughs> okay. or decisions. Anything? Okay. Okay. Anything else? That's a lot. No, those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Eric, what, do, what about you? I'll start with Enneagram since that's where Amy started. I, I am a strong five on the Enneagram. I think at some point in my life, probably early on, I was more of a five with a four wing. I think now I'm more a five with a six wing. Um, okay. But I'm very much in my head, thinker, researcher, um yeah that's that's i mean that's how i've always been um okay pretty you know pretty introverted you know if i get around my people family friends i can be i can be more of an extrovert but you know stick me in a room full of people i don't know and 
that's like my nightmare. So I would rather, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, Myers Briggs, I am an INTJ. So introvert, okay. uh, intuition, thinker, judge, or I don't know, what is it, J? Judge, judgmental, I don't know. Oh, he's judgy. judgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's what I am on Myers Briggs. Okay. Strength Finders, I believe, I don't remember all of mine. It's been a while since I've done it. Is it like thinking quad? Like they're, they're divided into four types, right? And I think, like, I think I'm like context analytical learner and then there was another one that didn't fit in with all those that i thought was weird connectedness or something like that i can't remember um but i've always been interested in how things fit together um, he was a history major yeah i was a history undergrad history. major did that that yeah would that like scratch your researching itch so here's the weird thing about my history major so when i was 18 and I had to choose what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Or so I thought, you know, <laughs> I, I actually, I wanted to major in history. And the original plan was to get the PhD and teach at the college level. Um, and it really, even though I'm an introvert, it was the teaching part of it that really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like once I got about halfway through my degree and I figured out that, you know, to be a professor at the college level, it was much more about, research and writing and publishing than it was about actual teaching. That's mm-hmm. when I decided, you know, I don't really know if I want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I always loved history. Still do. I still like to, I like to read nonfiction. I don't know if everybody does this. I just assume everybody goes down rabbit holes in the, on the internet. Like they start <laughs> with a topic and they just like dive into a rabbit hole. I, I assume everybody does that and maybe they don't, I don't know, but that's what I do. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's good. Hey, um, the reconstruction calls podcast, uh, the podcast with the most fives on it. You're like my fourth five and I'm a five. So, um, so I don't, I don't know what that says, but apparently I know a lot of fives. So, and, and I like to talk to them apparently. I'll be out of energy and I'll be out of energy in about 10 minutes. So that's, (laughs) that's how much time we have. Okay. Well, let's play, let's, let's play the game first. Uh, are you guys ready to play a game? Sure. Let's do it. Bring it music themed this game is called nickelback creed or hootie and the blowfish and it's a it's a simple trivia game the answers are nick are nickelback creed or hootie and the blowfish (laughs) i'm gonna ask you three questions and you'll answer uh which which classic band it is um so okay here we go question one is this a competition like can i beat eric is it speed based um, no, you guys will play as a team. We'll, we'll say okay. so. I'll, okay. I'll need a, I'll need a final answer. Okay. This is good okay. because um, Eric always wins, and so we'll be on the same team, and we can win together. This is great. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. So question one: Originally formed in Tallahassee, Florida, in 1994, this band has two members named Scott. That's got to be it Creed. That's Creed. Nickelback, Creed, or Hootie and the Blowfish. That's Creed. Like the only, the only Creed, the only Creed member I know is Scott Stapp. So when you say Scott, <laughs> I, I, it's got to be Creed, right? And, and, and is it Nickelback right. Canadian? I don't something. I don't know. I don't know. Google Creed. The, you're you're correct. The answer is Creed. Um, I don't know who the other Scott is, but the the lead singer definitely is Scott Stapp. So, um, so you're you're one for one. Okay. Question two: uh, Which band named their year 2000 release after a Waffle House side dish? 
I'll repeat, which band named their 2000 release after a Waffle House side dish? Is it Nickelback, Creed, or Hootie and the Blowfish? It sounds like something Hootie would do. Yeah, were they, did they, did, did they, did they go that late? Like, bar? Can we cheat? No Googling, no Googling, no um. cheating. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does sound like something Hootie and the Blowfish would I, do. I think it I sounds also, classic Hootie and the Blowfish. But what, I'm Eric? also like, by 2000, was Hootie and the Blowfish still a thing? But I, I, so clearly I don't know. So yeah, I guess we can go with Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay, that's correct. The answer is Hootie and the Blowfish. Right. In 2000, they released, released a greatest hits record called Scattered, Smothered, and Covered. Uh, yes. Oh, that sounds really yummy. Now I'm hungry. Is, how you can order your hash browns at Waffle yes, House, by the indeed. way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, question three. You guys are doing good. Two for two. Uh, which band's lead singer doesn't have a solo album? Is it Nickelback, Creed, or Hootie and the Blowfish? So, so, <laughs> so Darius Rucker has. I mean, he's a country artist now, so he clearly has solo records. I think Scott yep. Stapp has a solo record. So I don't know who the lead singer of Nickelback is, but I think we should go with Nickelback. That's All right, Nick, Nickelback is the answer. You guys really know your Nickelback <laughs> Creed. <laughs> okay. Okay, here's your bonus question. This one's for all the this one's for all the marbles. Uh, which band was more annoying for me to have to research? Nickelback, Creed, or Hootie and the Blowfish? Oh my gosh, they're so okay. Probably Nickelback. Was it Nickelback? Yes, the answer is Nickelback. I have to tell yes. you, all of their all of their like trivia is so boring. It's just like. Uh, <laughs> what town from Canada are they from? And like, it's just like, oh, well, they're not actually from this town. They're from a different town. <laughs> anyway, it was also boring. So um, your your prize for winning uh, this game, Nickelback Creed and Hootie and the Blowfish, some hash browns from Waffle House. I'll send those to you in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> are they, will they be scattered, smothered, and whatever? Covered. Covered. Yeah, it's gonna take some, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take a few extra stamps. Hey, it sounds awesome. vegetarian, so I'm game. <laughs> so, guys, in my spiritual direction training, uh, one of the practices that we were introduced to is this idea of holy listening, or you might call it like holy noticing. Even um, the practice consists of looking at a piece of art for like two to three hours and just noticing the different nuances. And, and really looking for everything that you can see. It's sort of a model of what a spiritual director does, listening and looking for the things, uh, for the nuances. So in, in a big way, music is like that. It's, it's uh, honestly, for me, it's something I've been doing like my whole life. And um, I can mark different seasons of my life with different music or artists that I was listening to at the time. And so I wanted to talk to you guys sort of about how music has been like that um, in conjunction with your own faith journey, your own faith story. Um, and so as you guys have gone through different seasons of life, what have you noticed about the music that you're listening to? Yeah, so Amy and I were talking about this, and I don't know what this says about my faith journey or my deconstruction, reconstruction, but honestly, you know the music I listen to hasn't really changed that much. Um, okay. I was never one, you know, that listened to a whole lot of 
praise and worship music or I don't know, quote unquote Christian music. Now I, I do think how I respond and how I relate to some music that I listen to has possibly changed. Um, you know, I find myself drawn to music that asks more questions than it has answers, if that makes sense. You know, I'll give you a great example. So you ask me, you ask us to kind of think about different music. Um, I'm an Americana fan. I guess we'll use that term. Um, one of the artists I really like is Jason Isbell. And he has a song on one of his albums called 24 Frames. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in that song, something in the effect of, uh, you thought God was an architect, and now you know he's something like a pipe bomb waiting to blow, and everything you had goes up in smoke in 24 frames. And now the idea is yeah. 24 frames is like how many frames are in a second of a, of a movie. You thought God was an architect, now you know he's something like a pipe bomb ready to blow, and everything you built, it's all for sure. And so it's this idea that, you know, you at one point, you know, at some point in your life, you thought God had this whole plan and he was an architect. And then, you know, all of us come to a point where something happens either of our own doing or it happens to us or whatever. And, you know, everything that we thought, maybe plans we had or lives we had or whatever, just sort of goes up in flames, you know. And so there was one point in my life probably where I would look, I would listen to that. I was like, man, that guy is like to use an evangelical or Christian term, like that guy's lost, you know? Um, yeah. And now it's like, I'm more drawn to it because I think that it talks more, that that speaks to me more about the human experience. I, I think the idea of, of God, looking at God in one sense of being an architect and then, um, you know, that that is such a uh, reassuring thing. And then to... And then to feel like God is a bomb, (laughs) essentially, (laughs) that certainly speaks to, you know, deconstruction and, and that line. So I, I didn't know that you were going to bring up that line, but I haven't ever listened that thoroughly to that song, but every time I hear it sort of, um, on like rotation, like on a station on Spotify, that line always does sort of grab me. What, what about you, Amy? Um, is that has has the way you've listened to music changed over time? It it has. Okay, so I grew up very, I grew up Baptist, very evangelical, and in a conservative family. And I, I think I think Eric has recollections of this this phase of life too, where you like feel called to ban all types of music besides Christian music. I did and that like five go, times in my life. He can't give it up. Yeah. <laughs> I kept backsliding. Yeah. Kept backsliding. But uh, I, I remember going through that phase. Um, the ironic thing is I I grew up to be a worship leader. I don't even know if you know this about me, Aaron Maines. Um, I don't. No, I don't think you did. But I was, so in our our church that we used to go to, I was one of the worship leaders. Okay. And yeah. so... I played the microphone, as our four-year-old Josie would say, uh, which really <laughs> means I just sing. <laughs> I, I actually really, really enjoyed that practice mm-hmm. of singing my heart out. I, I, I really did. Um, 
it, it to me it involves the whole body it's uh you're you're in you're in direct connection with others mm-hmm. rhythmically um vocally it, it's it, it is a really really high type of experience um mm-hmm. and for most of you know our time there almost a decade or over a decade i i really enjoyed that role um so we would you know we would just uh you know how it is in an evangelical setting you wait for a, a great song to 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 lead out in whether that's hill song yeah. or bethel or right you know a, a single artist so you know i that was a big part of my life actually or my role in the church you could say mm-hmm. a big part of my mm-hmm. role in the church it, it, it's interesting how it all played out though because in, in 2017, I had a big shift in my faith, and man, I, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know up from down. In some ways, it was a very confusing time, and uh, but I, I stepped down, I stepped down from that role, and we stayed in that church for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I could sing some of the things I used to sing, some of the concepts I used to sing about, whether that's right. atone, atonement theory anything um related to atonement theory or self specifically salvation you know all of those things i just couldn't find it within myself to sing about those things anymore Mm -hmm. Um, it was interesting it was a good time though i i stepped on and uh i i don't know it was a weird time it was a very weird time i'm just gonna say so when you hear those songs today do they make you feel any sort of way or do you feel like that was just a time and place or, I mean, cause music, I think you're right that music does move us in a certain way. Worship, the worship music, like movement, yeah. uh, it, it's really built to connect spiritually to kind of theological ideas. And then at the same time, mm-hmm. sort of make bodily connection with people. So it all builds to a big bridge and, and the bridge is really the, really the most emotional part. So, so when you hear that today, what does it make you feel any sort of way? It's nostalgic for sure, because mm-hmm. music is like that, right? It can bring us yeah. back to a, a time and place. So for me, it's a little nostalgic, but I still can't bring myself to, to sing those really, those lyrics that are really powered by, you know, an exchange theory about, you know, Christ's sacrifice and my individual salvation. Yeah. And, and so there's a few, and I need help. I feel like I need help in this area. And this is where you come in, Aaron Names, <laughs> because I feel like you've got a straight line to some really great music that can help us help us reorient our lives around God all over again. Mm. I, I hesitate to use the word worship, but yeah. to you know to reorient our lives around God yeah. all over again comes. Yeah, to, I think I've said it before. I think I've said it before, but like worship is such a complicated word for me. I don't. I don't think it's a word that I've reconstructed all the way because it it is really it is just a really complicated idea. So you know, the idea of like church music. I mean, you say worship, you're referring to music because in you know, primarily in the evangelical church world, that's what is the reference. Um, uh, you know, you can, uh, 
listen back. I did a previous podcast sort of on uh, reconstructing church music and, and what worship would look like. And I think a lot of that is sort of inviting inviting us bodily back into the conversation. Um, and so it is tricky, I think, to talk about church music because it depends on the church that you're going to. Um, but I, I do know, like for me, when I think about music, uh, certainly, I mean, I've been listening to music my whole life. So I'm a five, I said I'm a five on the Enneagram. When I was a kid, I had a record player in my room. I would spend an awful lot of time listening to records, um, like as a little kid. And um, I think it was just me getting energy back. <laughs> honestly like i was tired yeah. of being outside so i would go listen to music in my room um but like in high school i really liked christian music i was really into it um and but what was always sort of present for me is that and this has been this is true for me today which is i honestly i really like music that has like anger in it mm-hmm. um so like I was listening to Christian music, but at the same time, listening to like Pearl Jam and Toadies and lots of hip hop and Cypress Hill and um, really like angry music. That's <laughs> <laughs> man. And like the, the church that I went to, like they certainly wouldn't have uh, gotten behind that. I don't know that any church is going to get behind Cypress Hill, but um, uh, I think some of that... Uh, I think maybe that some of that, the anger that is in music, um, I think for me helps me identify sometimes with people being their authentic selves, because I don't think that I, like, I think I had a lot of like pent up anger, but I would never like show it. And so it felt like if somebody in art is going to express anger, um, like that was fascinating for me because I wasn't ready to do that. Um, and so, like, even today, I'm drawn to that. Um, and it, it feels like I'm drawn more less to, like, really authentic artists today. Um, but I can remember back my uh, – one of my early kind of music, someone that I just went down the rabbit the rabbit trail on was Rich Mullins. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I, he died, though he did die yeah um yeah. but like what was crazy spoiler. is like he <laughs> spoiler alert yeah he um he is writing these like 1980s 1990s like christian anthems like awesome god and, and like hold me jesus and at the same time he's like chain smoking and binge drinking and um is living this life like on indian reservations and he's just living this like totally authentic life. And so weird, but this year I'm reading through all of uh, Brennan Manning's books and mm-hmm. I got introduced to Brennan Manning because of Rich Mullins. Um, and so like the Ragamuffin Gospel, Rich Mullins has a, an album called A Liturgy, A Legacy and a Ragamuffin Band. And it's it's based off like his like time with Brennan Manning and stuff like that. So I don't know where I'm going with that other than to say, I was just always really connected to really authentic people. And for me, looking back on like Christian music, oftentimes it doesn't feel very authentic. I guess, I guess so long way around to, to what I was saying, Amy, is like sometimes I think that 
I would sit in worship services and feel like, oh, this is like really genuine. Or, but now I think back, like that music just doesn't feel genuine at all to me. It feels very, right. Yeah. Feels very disconnected. I agree. I mean, it's somewhat nostalgic for me, but now it kind of leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, and there's few songs that I really can still listen to and kind of have that quote unquote worship experience, but they're, mm-hmm. they're definitely more Holy spirit centered or like Christ, the exemplar, you know, instead of the atonement sacrifice. Um, yeah. Or even somewhat more existential. You know, a lot of music that I listen to, I feel like, has lyrics that either are either talking about the human experience or maybe lyrics that don't, aren't immediately, you're not like, I know exactly what that songwriter is trying to say. It might, it might either be open to interpretation or it might take multiple listens for you to fully kind of get kind of what they're trying to say. And, and, and I guess being a, I don't know if being a five, I enjoy thinking about things like that, but I think to me, and I don't, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but you know, to me, a lot of Christian music and praise and worship music is very, I don't know if I want to say surface, but you know, there's, it kind of is what it is, you know? And, uh, and I, I know it speaks to some people and, you know, and I think it speaks to a lot of people's emotions, which I think is fine. Um, me, I, you know, I think I look for music. Oftentimes it speaks more to my head. Maybe, I don't know. Um, like there's a, there's an artist I'm listening to right now. Amy and I both actually like his new album a whole lot. His name is John Moreland and he's a singer songwriter. And you, know, you read his lyrics and it's like, I think I know what he's trying to say, or at least I can relate to what he's trying to say, but there's lots of different levels of meaning to what he could be saying. And I just feel like a lot of that's lost sometimes in some of our contemporary Christian music, popular Christian music anyway. Like, is it too literal on some level? Like it's, it's too on the head as opposed to being more metaphor or something like that. Yeah. Or even if it's metaphor, it's, it's not a very, it's a, it's a well-worn metaphor, right? Um, Or, you know, it's the joke of, you know, and not all Christian music is like this, I realize. So again, I don't want to generalize too much or paint with too broad a brush, but, you know, repeating the same phrase a hundred times, you know, or something, you know, and I, and I understand the purpose in a worship setting, you know, of there's an emotional aspect to it. There's a communal aspect to it. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the music that I'm talking about that I enjoy <laughs> isn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily be a great, you know, it's not meant necessarily for communal consumption, right? Um, it's more, I guess, individual as you interpret right. it to mean what you apply it to your experience or, you know, your observations or, or something like that. So I, I understand why it is what it is. A lot of it lacks depth that I'm somewhat looking for, whether it be in Americana music or hip hop music, but, you know, like even like Kendrick Lamar's to Pimple Butterfly, you know, like, it's like an album. It's like a work of art that is, is creating this big mm-hmm. motif and this message of what he's trying to say, you know. And even in our current culture, our secular culture of consuming music a song at a time, I feel like a lot of art gets lost. So tell me about John Moreland. Sing hallelujah. I was found, but now I'm lost. I heard the 
call and I bet it all Never even added the cost You gave me a purpose I could not complete the task As a child I repented my nature Still as a man I repented my past Sing hallelujah, I was found but now I'm lost I heard the call and I bet it all And never even added the cost you gave me a purpose, but I could not complete the task. As a child, I repented my nature, till as a man, I repented my past. And that last line, I'm not sure I know what he means, but it at some level, it really resonated with me, right? As somebody who, you know, obviously was taught, you know, that we're all born with a sinful nature and uh, this idea that we grew up repenting of just the nature of who we are until we get to a point where we've done things that really do require repentance maybe, or maybe he's talking about repenting of this idea that we all have a, a sinful nature. You know, I don't know what exactly he's saying there. I think it could be both, but there's just a lot of his stuff that, you know, as you read through the lyrics that are, you know, I think kind of open to interpretation. And I think that's okay. As you guys have learned to listen uh, or as you guys have learned to have a faith that has fewer answers to it, is there is there a correlation to music that might have more mystery to it also? So, like Eric's referring to, I'm not he, I'm not sure what he's saying, but I think it might be this. Um, do you find yourself drawn to music that might have a little more mystery to it? I'd say definitely. My catalog has shrunk. <laughs> so going back to post-worship leader life, I remember texting with a few of my friends and saying, you know what, if I was still leading worship, this is what I'd sing about. And <laughs> don't laugh at me because it's somewhat childlike, but it's from the Chronicles <laughs> of Narnia soundtrack. <laughs> but it's by Imogen Heap and... They have a real ethereal sound, mm -hmm. but the lyrics go, can't close my eyes. I'm wide awake. Every hair on my body has got a thing for this place. Yeah. Oh, empty my heart. I've got to make room for this feeling. It's so much bigger than me. And to me that I remember texting some of my friends saying this is what worship is to me right now it's this emptying of my heart making room for something much bigger than me i don't know exactly what that means or i i definitely don't have the theological details nailed down anymore but it's something that is beautiful and that we're drawn to because the, the rest of that song goes, it couldn't be any more beautiful. I can't take it in. Weightless in love, unraveling for all that's to come. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful song. Yeah. But it, it sings about, there's no theology in that song. But it's the state of being that I connect with. Yeah, I'm drawn to sort of the idea of just being. Um you know, Jesus talks sometimes about like just living in his father's house. That's sort of how he refers to it, that he says like, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And the word mm -hmm. abide there is sort of just this idea of just being. 
Um, so like an empty heart, empty heart, empty life is, yeah, abiding to just be in the moment right. as opposed to like having to like think or do or to be, you know, to, to be nothing other than just present, right? And so, um, yeah, that connects, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like that's a deep connection to what I think God calls us to and in a way is is using you know music to express that um to just be who we are right songs that lately that really resonate with me are songs that again speak to some sort of human condition or human experience and it can speak to me and it can be an experience that i know nothing about but like there's a there's a guy that we listen to i listen to amy Amy likes him. Um, he's a Texas singer-songwriter named Robert Ellis. And he's got this song about, and I, I assume it's autobiographical, that his, I, his, I guess his dad left when he was young and he never really knew him. And it's basically the song is about a letter, is basically a letter to his that he would, would be writing to his dad about wanting to get to know him and have him in his life. And it's a really, it's really well done. It's really well written. And it really like speaks to me, even though I've never, and Amy even said one time, she's like, you, you know, why does this speak to you so much? You know, this does, you know, this isn't your experience. And there's something about, I think, just songs that speak to various human experiences, whether I've experienced it or not, I think have really spoken to me lately. Um, whether it be a, if they're done well, you know, there can be, it can be done really poorly. Um, but there's some songwriters that are doing it really well, whether it be talking about addiction or whether it be talking about alcoholism or, you know, um, going through this this life thing and trying to figure it out, and I don't know, listening to other people talk about their experiences. And maybe it's my again, I was a history major, so I enjoy hearing stories and stuff like that. So I don't know. I yeah, songs like that really have got to really speak to me. Um, do you ever think of it? Do you ever think of it in a way of while it's not your story, it is a reconstruction story. So um, you know even in your references, you're talking addiction, uh, alcoholism, those sorts of things overcome, you know, a person writing about that from the, from the reconstructed side, the other side of it to say, you know, I went through this and this is where I am in some way. Do we maybe in my own life, that's just a spiritual reconstruction, but I still identify with the sentiment that is there. There's pieces of those stories, whether it be sort of a redemption type story or a reconstruction story or or just a a desire to connect, you know, um, on, a, on a human level. Right. And I think um, to me, those are almost those are spiritual experiences. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you look at what Jesus taught and what Jesus came to do and you know, you look at redemption and you look at. Um, the people he hung out with. And I think part of that maybe may get to, I know there's a lot of Christian music now that's written from a, a sort of, you know, more of a redemptive kind of, kind of stance or kind of place. But, you know, I think those stories, those songs really are, are, are things that really resonate with me right now and have for a while. Like what is it about them that resonate with you? And part of it, and I, I know I'm not alone in this, because there's a whole genre called the blues. So people enjoy listening to sad music, but there is a part of it that's like a reminder that, you know, life is hard. 
I think life is hard for all of us, um, and that there is hope. But you know, and I think it's 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 really easy for me to, I think, go on about my day or going about my life and not, you know, I think we all have troubles and difficulty, but I've, you know, compared to a lot of people, I think we've got it pretty good. Um, and so to hear stories of people who've struggled or hear stories of broken relationships, which we've been through, all of us have, um, but I think it's just a reminder that being a human is hard. And I think the other side of that is there is, there is hope, there is redemption, there is, you know, there's love. Um, and that's, that stuff's powerful, right? Um, I think for you too, babe, and maybe you too, Aaron, being a five, both fives, I believe music helps you feel something and, uh, feelings aren't always accessible for you men who are fives. Yeah. Music does make me feel something. And, and additionally, like being in nature makes me feel something. Whereas sort of the everyday part of my life, I don't necessarily um, have feelings in the same way that other people have feelings. And so even today, um, listening back, so we were big fans of this band called Waterdeep. And um, they they probably, um, both them and I suppose the Avett brothers are probably, uh, they express my life probably better than anyone else. But um, uh, even like reading back through some of their lyrics today, um, like I well up reading through those. Um, They have this one song that really is probably my, um, is really my, my specific story. Um, And I don't, I don't totally know what they're writing about. Like, kind of like back to what Eric is saying. Like, I don't always know what they're writing about, but this song really definitely feels like he is trying to capture um, this idea. He says uh, in the song, he says, um, peel off each old sticker with a slow and steady hand and strip off all the high gloss sheen and maybe go sell the van. It's time to let the people know that you're sorry that you made them go and that life must be a more sacred thing than a couple cheap words and a promise ring. And like that, that is my, like the beginning of reconstruction for me. Um, There's some, you know, there's like some anger in there. And I mean, there's a lot more to that song also. At times I do think music expresses things in a way that I can never do it. Um, And it helps me. Yeah. I, Amy, you're right. It helps me feel things that I don't think I would ever feel. Um, and sometimes, I mean, that's the role of the artist, right? Is to oh yeah, help, help express something that we can't express. Eric and Amy, thank y'all so much for being on today. It's so good to talk music. I'll have to have you back. We'll talk more music um, some other time. Uh, but before I let you go, I did want to ask, is there something that you guys are hung up on? Is there something you would recommend to anyone listening? A uh, movie, podcast, music, food? I don't know something that uh, you that's got you going right now. Sure. Okay. So, in addition to my um, long walks at night, which are very exciting, um, I listen to podcasts in the shower, and one of my favorites is Poetry Unbound, and it is it does have some connection with On Being, the original okay. podcast. So, this amazing Irish guy, his name's Padraig Otuma he speaks in this beautiful Irish accent. And what he does is he, 
picks a poem. Well, it's probably, I don't know if he picks it or not, but he, he reads a poem. And then he gives his own interpretation and meaningful highlights for a few minutes. And then it's silence. And mm. he just reads the poem, poem again <laughs> and lets it sit with you again. And it, to me, that's almost like Lectio Divina, it, like reading the scriptures in a more interactive way on a deeper yeah. level. So you hear it and you can start forming your own connections or interpretations. But then he's a poet himself and he's amazing. And so he has all these personal insights and interpretations that he shares and they're just beautiful. Hmm, that's good. And then he reads it again. And I tell, I tell, I will kid you not, I've cried in the shower multiple times <laughs> and, and I am feeling repressed. And so it just moves me. It, uh, it, it moves me. And of okay. course, poetry is personal. Like what hits me isn't going to hit you, but it's worth a listen. And again, it's poetry unbound in connection with on being. That's good. Eric, what about you? So I have two things I wanted to mention. I felt like since this was a music-themed episode of your podcast, Aaron, that I should mention something musical that has me hung up. Um, and honestly, what has me – one of the things that has me hung up right now is not something – it's actually something fairly old and actually something that I have recently revisited, unfortunately, due to the death of the artist, and that's John Prine's first record, um, self-titled – it's amazing from beginning to end. Um, yeah, that record is like, it's like a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's spiritual themes. There's themes. I mean, if you consider it was written at the time by a 20-something-year-old guy, um, you know, there's themes on aging and death. Um, there's, there's, you know, anti-war stuff. There's, I mean, it's, it's got everything, and it's, it's brilliant songwriting and. Um, something I listened to uh, before, um, but something I've recently revisited again, unfortunately, due to, to John Prime recently passing away. Um, the other thing that's got me hung up, and I think Amy would agree, uh, that's not music, is the movie Jojo Rabbit. And if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> you need to see Jojo Rabbit. Um, oh my gosh. It's funny. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's sad. I don't want to spoil it, but it really is one of the main themes is about sort of a person's shift in beliefs from how they were raised sort of based on just their life experiences and what happens when your life experiences don't merge with the beliefs you were raised with. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird. I'll, I'll admit it's a little, it's a little strange. I mean, it's the main artistic. character has, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, the main character has an imaginary friend, and his imaginary friend is Hitler. So I realize that's a little odd for some people, probably, but it's done in a really, it's done in a really funny way, um, and it's 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 a really good watch. And like I said, some of the themes in there I think really resonated with me, and I, I thought it's 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 great. So that's the other thing that I would I would recommend. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about Spiritual Direction and me, 
Aaron Mains at my website, www.aaronmains.com.